that were there at tonight's school board meeting, the two biggest issues that that are going on in the state of Nebraska, uh, but also uh, around the, the nation, if you're if you're paying attention, the proposed <clears throat> sex education standards um, and critical race theory are are the two biggest issues that that parents are really concerned about and should be concerned about. Um, so a number of people spoke. Everyone that spoke was was unanimous about. Uh, we're not in favor of either of those two items, the new proposed sex education standards uh, or the critical race theory being taught uh, in schools. So everyone that spoke was against that, uh, and it was unanimous. Um, and I think the school board, because they, they go through their agenda, agenda and then they address some of the, the comments and concerns that parents presented. I think our school board, I think, is very receptive to parent involvement and parent feedback. Um, but we need to continue to pray for them that they are led. I don't know how many of our current school board members are born again or Christians or are spiritually minded or any of that. But I do think by some of their comments tonight, I do think they are listening to parents. And I do think they are. Um, they know they're under the microscope with these two particular issues. So um, I was pleased with how they responded. And uh, I think there's it was good that that many parents showed up in person and voiced their concerns. And, and everybody, I think, did a very good job of communicating and not being emotional because sometimes when you get to those issues, you can be emotional and then you come across as a crazy person or a lunatic or a Jesus like freak. Like the one that pushed you? Yeah. So I, I thought it went well, but it's it's the beginning stages. And for people, for parents that aren't following, this is part of the problem of why the church has become ineffective in, in many ways is because parents, Christians, stop paying attention and stop being involved. You're to blame. I'm to blame for not being at those meetings, whether it's city council, school board. Um, it's our fault for not being engaged uh, on a local level. So I, I was very pleased with that kind of turnout. And, and many of the people that spoke uh, referenced something about God, my faith. You know, these are, these are things that should be talked about at home. You know, some of the sex um, education talk, that needs to be between parents and, and kids, not in a public school setting. Right. So I thought it was very Good. positive and and what went on tonight. Good. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna lift up Jesus. I'm gonna lift up Jesus. I'm gonna lift up Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. It's all to His place. Got a mercy and grace. It's the name.
God of mercy and grace, let your name forevermore be lifted high. Your praise is on our lips as we sing about your goodness. Your words are through our lives. We testify. So be exalted in this place. God of mercy and grace. Oh, let your name forevermore be lifted high. For your praise is on our lips as we sing about your goodness. May our words and through our lives we testify. May our words, may our words and through our lives we testify. I'm gonna lift up Jesus. So I'm gonna lift up Jesus. Yes, I'm gonna lift up Jesus. I'm going to lift up Jesus Singing glory, hallelujah Singing glory, hallelujah Singing glory, hallelujah Tonight, Lord Jesus lift up your name and we invite your Holy Spirit because you are the ultimate teacher and you know what we need in this new season so quicken to our spirits and our minds the truth of the Father's word tonight and shine a light and reveal to us those areas, those adjustments that we need to make in our thinking Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I appreciate you coming out on a Monday night. There'll be days ahead. I believe there'll probably be church every day. You know, and we're on a series on the Holy Spirit and Kathy's sharing on um, Sunday mornings too, and and uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. There are two two authors, two of the finest books written about the Holy Spirit. One I got was written around the year 2000, and his name is Dave Roberson, and uh, he's from Tulsa. Interesting background. He grew up, and he was a logger. He cut down trees, uneducated. And God took him through the school of the Spirit, and he, you know, he's got to be up there now, I would think. And then the next is another, a younger generation, and his name's John Bevere, and he's probably one of the finest teachers in the body of Christ today. And both have written books on the Holy Spirit, and, and they're both good, but I'm going to read to you some information from, from both of them tonight. But before I do that, um, let me just kind of give you the purpose, and we'll review quickly. We said we want you, the believer, and especially those that are new to the, to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, we want you to help, help you understand and understand that there are two separate 
and distinct works of the Spirit of God. After you are born again, the Spirit works within you. What's he developing on the inside of you? Godly character. Then the other move of the Spirit of God is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what empowers you and I to go out like Jesus and do the, do the works of the ministry. So there's a dual working of the Holy Spirit. John 4.14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So that's the new birth. Okay, that's the work within. And then John 7.37 says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the well is for one thing on the inside. The rivers, what do rivers do? They flow. And that's what we, we're going to see in the days ahead. The rivers flow. Not from the fivefold ministry, just them, but you. Say, I have a river of life flowing out of me. That's the truth. Then in Acts 10, 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, that's the main reason, if you want to be a, an effective witness for God, then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? We said there are two groups of nine. In Galatians 5 and verse 9, it's, it gives you the fruit of the Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it says it gives you the, the nine gifts of the Spirit, which is used to minister to others. And I want to read to you, because he differentiates this, um, John Bevere, and this is what he says. The difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. He says a gift of the Spirit is something that God puts upon somebody's life. It doesn't need to be cultivated or developed. It automatically operates. The only thing that needs to be cultivated is how the person operates in it. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit has to be cultivated. So gifts are given and fruit is is cultivated. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of a Spirit-led life. When you walk in the Spirit, the fruit that is cultivated is that you become a person of greater joy, greater peace, greater patience, greater love. So if you do not have that, you know, in your life, then what do you need to cultivate? Some fruit. Amen? All of us have areas, don't we? That love, joy, or peace is going to emanate out of you because you're walking with the Spirit. It has to do with your personal life. The fruit of the Spirit is the foundation that will keep you safe in your ministry life. The gifts of the Spirit, on the other hand, pertain to your ministry life. And unfortunately, many people pursue the gifts over the fruit. Why? Because the gifts are, boy, they're fantastic and they're out there in the physical, and there's a demonstration, and we see things and experience things. And, you know, that's what's happened to a lot of leadership in the body of Christ. They're anointed of God, and they have gifts, and those gifts are on display. But what happens? People start to lift up the man or the woman. He says, he says this, and this is good. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is the foundation that will keep you safe in your ministry life. It'll keep you safe. He says, I have prayed, God, I never want the gifts you've placed on my life to supersede the fruit you've developed in me. Now, I want to read that again because that's important. 
He's prayed. The author prayed, God, I never want the gifts you've placed on my life to supersede the fruit you've developed in me. I prayed that so I can finish well, because what often happens is that people start pursuing the gifts. The Bible says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. People pursue the gifts, but they ignore the fruit or the love. Gifts don't have the character to carry people and can end up destroying them. Judas cast out. Now, this I think is interesting. Judas cast out devils. He healed the sick. Yet Judas is in hell. Jesus said it would be better for him if he'd never been born. Judas had the gifts of the Spirit operating in his life, but he obviously didn't cultivate the fruit. Now, all of us come from different backgrounds. We've heard Bobby and his testimony, and we all have testimonies. She and I both were raised by good people, good parents. They weren't that super spiritual, but what did they do? They helped develop some fruit in our lives. We were able... Kathy and I, to see in our parents some fruit. And as a result of that, we grew up and developed some fruit. Character, integrity, a good work ethic. Some of you did not have that. You did not have the blessing of maybe a good parent or or a good upbringing. So as a result, some of that fruit was not developed in you. Is it too late? No, it's not too late. It's never too late. That's right. So we all have to work on developing some fruit. How many could be more patient? (laughs) Amen. Now, I want to go through tonight, and I'm going to start with this. I want, you to look, I want you to look up one scripture. This is probably the only scripture you'll have to look up. I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I know I always told my boys growing up there were some certain things that they had to do. I don't know if they'd remember what I've told them to do. Just a few things. What were some of the things I told you had to do? Say it again. Bobby didn't hear that. That's not out. That's not what I was looking for. No, I told him other things, Bobby. What else did I, what else did I teach you? For a woman, what should you always do for a lady? Open the door. How about how do you you got complimented on the Utah because you opened the door for lady. Then, then what else did they teach you? How to shake a hand. No wimpy sh- handshakes. You know. And I told him a few other things, but we can't talk about that here. If you really want to know what I tell, told him, you can ask me afterwards and I'll tell you. Now, I want to give you some hindrances to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some hindrances. Now, some people, when they're prayed for, they instantly receive their prayer language. With me, it didn't work that way. 
With you, it did, didn't it, Kathy? Some of you, maybe hands were laid on you and you instantly were filled. And were you filled, even if you didn't pray in your heavenly prayer language, you're still filled. It just needs to be released. But I want you to see something in 1 Corinthians 14, because I read to you from the author, John Bevere, and he touched on this. But here's the scripture, and, and this is the thing that, that drove me to being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There was a desire. I had a burning desire to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. And I had not been taught. I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. I grew up an ignorant, backslidden Methodist. But then my sister, who was a Catholic, got filled with the Holy Ghost through a Catholic priest, spoke in other tongues. Then my father went down to that Catholic church in Florida. Priest laid hands on Catholic priest laid hands on my father. He came back speaking in tongues, and I thought, what's going on? The only one that wasn't was my Lutheran mother, who never did. But I had a hunger, and I wanted to know more. And, you know, that's what we need to pray about. And Kathy told me that today. She said, there needs to be a, a, a greater spiritual hunger in the people. You have to have a hunger for the things of God. Can you pray for that? Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you shall find. You and I can pray for that, for that hunger. We need to be hungry for God. Hungry for His Word. Amen? It says, pursue love and, and desire spiritual gifts. Desire in the Greek means to be zealous for, to burn with desire. Say that. Burn with desire. To pursue ardent, ardently, to desire eagerly or intensely. Now, if that is your attitude, when you come through those doors on Sunday morning, you will see God move. But if you stroll in, and there's nothing wrong with fellowship. You need to visit with people, shake hands with people, hug people. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you just case the raw, the raw, whatever be, will be, will be, you're not going to see anything. You have to come through those doors and expect God to speak through me to you. If you don't, you won't get squat. You think, and they blame the preacher. Do you know how many preachers have been hung up to dry when the believer should have been hung up to dry because they didn't give a rat's rump? That's been my favorite saying the last couple of weeks. Amen? You have, to, you have to have a desire. You need to pray for Kathy and I. You need to pray for the people in the church. You need to pray for Abe. He needs a lot of prayer. Amen. Now, when I, I'm not going to go into this long because I've talked about it, but when I discovered that my father and my sister were filled with the Spirit of God, this was the end of the charismatic revival. And I, I told you that I, I began to seek God. And, and talk to God more. And I wanted this experience. And I can remember, and God put this young man in my life, my student that I went through, through high school with and grew up with, and he got into drugs, and I told you he tried to commit suicide and opened the door at 60 miles an hour and jumped out. He lived, became a pastor. He got my attention. I followed in his footsteps to the same Bible school. And uh, he's the one that laid hands on me after he opened the Bible and gave me some scripture, a scriptural foundation 
you know, before that, I just was asking God, fill me. I want to be filled and nothing, nothing happened. There was no release of my prayer language. But the minute he put his hand on me and then I opened my mouth, then I began to pray in, the, in tongues. And so tonight what I want to do, I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to go through this. Hindrances to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so I want to read to you um, from Dave Roberson. Now, this is the older gentleman. He says, receiving the Holy Spirit is such a simple thing. However, the devil tries to complicate matters, doing his best to build strongholds in people's lives against speaking with other tongues. What's the biggest stronghold that you've heard from even other preachers in other churches about speaking in tongues? I'm going to see if you give it the same one I'm thinking of. Thank you. Who said that? Young Caden. Okay. He's quick on the draw. Okay. That's the one. That's the one the Baptists go for. It's of the devil. Well, then Mary was filled with devils. Because she was there with the 120 and spoke with other tongues. So you don't think about that, do they? It says, maybe you've desired the baptism in the Holy Spirit for a long time, but something seems to hinder you from receiving this precious gift from God. I'm going to talk about some of the most common hindrances to receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit that I've come across in my years of ministry. And I'll give you some truths and guidelines to help you overcome those hindrances. He goes on and talks about strongholds of the mind. The devil will try to reach into a person's past and use negative teachings the person's heard to build mental blocks or strongholds in his mind against speaking with tongues. A mental stronghold is a system of thoughts empowered by a person's emotions. This system has been created by a lifetime of faulty reasonings and thought patterns that block the mind from cooperating with God's truth. However, these strongholds can be pulled down by replacing them with God's reasonings found in His Word. Some people may have sat under the wrong teaching that tongues is not for today. Others may have been taught that only... (laughs) Listen to this one. That only uneducated, emotional people speak in tongues. So I guess I'm emotional and I'm uneducated because I speak in tongues. Me and Bobby, huh? We're the only two here. Whatever the deception, these people need correct teaching to help them break out of the stronghold of the mind that hinders them from yielding themselves over to speaking in tongues. Also, sometimes a spirit, now here's one, of denominationalism is present. Religious spirits often try to blind the minds of people so they cannot comprehend truth. They convince people to camp on their own revelation even if their doctrines contrary to the word, when these mind-blinding spirits are in operation, they must be bound in the name of Jesus. Only then will the person who's seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit be set free to receive from God. So here, here's the first one. Why people struggle with, with being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. I'm not good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. One of the main strongholds in people's minds comes from the teaching that a person has to become good enough to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Did you and I have to become good enough before we got born again? Did Jesus just take us the way we were, all our sin and everything? Sure he did. 
Some holiness churches teach that a person must be sanctified before he or she can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are taught that God will not fill them with his spirit unless they're already free from the deeds of the flesh, such as smoking, drinking, and chewing tobacco. (laughs) Consequently, people seek the sanctification experience for years and years but never seem to have the power to get rid of certain sins in their lives and because they don't believe they're good enough to receive the baptism of the holy spirit until they are sanctified they never get filled remember that old oh, brother where art thou the little girl says you're just not sanctified yet remember that part <laughs> But the fact is, the opposite is true. The Bible says that it is through the Spirit. This is so good. Don't let this go over your head. The Bible says that it is through the Spirit that you mortify the deeds of the flesh. So how do you mortify the deeds of the flesh? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in your new nature to put to death everything that is displeasing to God in your life. So to deny people the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the very means God uses to accomplish the cleanup process in a person's soul and flesh is against the Scriptures. You see, you can never become good enough to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit on your own. That's why God literally takes out your old nature and creates a new nature in your human spirit when you're born again. It is this new righteous nature, not your works, that God uses as the basis for baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. No other preparation can be made other than what has already been accomplished when you were washed in the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit who's done the work of recreation in, you, in is now ready to infill you. To step into that new nature you have received and help set you free from every form of sin and bondage. This is the work of sanctification Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. To accomplish that work, the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do when he infills you is to pray for you. So he begins to create a supernatural language of tongues on the inside of your spirit. That same language he's creating in your spirit then automatically begins to form in your mouth. The moment you give utterance to those words and start praying in tongues, you walk into a divine classroom. Standing at the chalkboard is none other than the master teacher, the Holy Spirit. He's come into your life to teach, empower, edify, and sanctify you. That's one reason God took the understanding of tongues away from us. That that way we don't know. Now listen. That way we don't know when he's praying for us about the sin in our lives we don't want to deal with. As we pray in tongues, we may be thinking, now this is what I, this isn't what I would be thinking, but the, he lived in Tulsa, so this is what he was thinking. As we pray in tongues, we might be thinking, I want a Lexus. I'd rather have a pickup. Bobby would rather have a Harley, you know. While the Holy Spirit is actually saying in the language of tongues, I think you should stop yelling at your spouse. Okay? So don't try to become good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. Let him dwell in you in his fullness and determine to pray much in other tongues. 
As you do, he will lead you into the mortification process that will make you more like him. Here's the second reason. I don't have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a line drawn in the spirit between the actual creation of the supernatural language in a believer's spirit and the journey of this language from his spirit to his lips to be uttered. It is on this line that the devil is most successful in erecting strongholds. Do you all understand when I use that word stronghold in your thinking? It is on this line that the devil is most successful in erecting strongholds that hinder believers from speaking in tongues, even after they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. For example, many believers wrongly believe, for one reason or another, that God wants them to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit without the experience of speaking in other tongues. Although this type of situation is possible, it's not the perfect will of God. People who think that way truly do not understand the great things God wants to accomplish in their lives through this simple but precious gift of speaking with tongues. Okay, so you say, well, I've been filled. I just I don't need to speak in tongues. No, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, it's there. You just need to release it. Here's another one. I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to make me speak. Yeah. Other Christians labor under this misconception that they must wait for God to move on them and cause them to speak in tongues. In reality, God's trying to get them to receive what he's already done. You see, when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, he fills us. It's that simple. We make things so hard, don't we? Fill me. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. There are Pentecostals that pray that way for 20 years and never receive. And they're still at the altar trying to, you know, receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You see, when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, he fills us. The entire time we're trying to get him to give us the language of tongues, he's waiting for us to receive and give utterance to the language he's already created inside our spirits. He creates the language, but we are the ones that do the praying. This truth is revealed in Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But the devil doesn't want people to know that. He tries to make them believe that the reason they haven't spoken in tongues is God's reluctance to give them this foundational revelation gift. The enemy knows that if he can convince people that for some reason they are not able to receive the gift of tongues, he can discourage them, discourage them from pressing on through the act, to the actual utterance of the language itself. Many times people in this situation become so discouraged they stop seeking the baptism in the Holy Ghost because they're afraid of failing again. They come to the wrong conclusion that in some way they aren't worthy enough for God to fill them with his spirit and give them the gift of tongues. Listen, if he died on the cross and shed his blood for you and I, we're worthy. That's why many believers are actually filled with the Holy Spirit when they pray, but have yet to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit created his supernatural language in these believers' spirit as soon as they asked to be filled. 
But the strongholds in their mind blocked them from yielding over their tongue to the utterance of that language. The Holy Spirit does as much as he can in these believers' lives. But they forfeit the great benefits that speaking in tongues provides. That's why I encourage you. If you've been prayed for to receive the Holy Ghost and you've not released your prayer language, do not give up. You've got to pursue it. Go after it. Amen? He says, how to overcome these strongholds of the mind? If the devil's trying to use any of these strongholds of the mind against you, I've got some good news for you. There's nothing more powerful than God's word centered around godly worship to pull those strongholds down. Now, he's going to tell you how to do this. Perhaps you've struggled to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've spoken only a few words in tongues and would like to be set free to speak fluently in the language the Holy Spirit's given you. Well, the key is to build up your faith until it is stronger than the stronghold in your mind that prevents you from receiving what you desire from the Lord. I would suggest that you diligently study what the Word has to say on the subject of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Listen to teaching tapes on the subject. Read this book you can hold in your hands again and again until the scriptural principles about speaking with tongues are planted deep in your heart. Then find yourself a place of worship. Put on some worship music. Spend some quality time alone with God. The fact is, one of the most powerful ways to minister to your own soul and to get yourself ready to receive from God is to worship Him. This is why Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. How many of you sing? In, how many of you can sing in tongues? How many of you, you can pray in tongues? How many of you sing? Some of you can't sing. You can make a joyful noise in tongues, Right? As you worship the Lord, begin to speak the word and praise him for the answer. See, that's we walk by faith, not by sight. This is faith. This is a faith declaration. Lord, I'm a receiver. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me the ability to speak with other tongues. It's that simple. You see, your soul will transform you to whatever you subject it to the most. Let me say that again. You see, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions will transform you to whatever you subject it to the most. Jesus will become to you whatever you call him. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If you call him your baptizer long enough, you'll destroy with the word all those strongholds in the soul that have hindered you from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Focus is on God Focus in on God and his faithfulness to give you the gift you desire. As you stay in that place of worship, your mind and emotions will begin to be baptized with the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you to fill and overflow your spirit. Continue to worship the Lord until all the debris in your mind that is keeping you from speaking in other tongues is cleared away. You may not tangibly feel anything at this point, but you will notice that new words are floating up from your spirit and forming in your mouth. 
The Holy Spirit is creating that language on the inside of you. When that happens, just stop worshiping in English and speak out the words your tongue wants to form. Yield over to that language the Holy Spirit is creating in your spirit. Then continue to speak in tongues until those supernatural words are flowing out of you fluently like rivers of living water. So, you know, when many times it'll just come up a, a few words and, 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 and let me tell you something. Your language, your prayer language isn't going to sound like mine. She's got a different prayer language. I always thought, my God, get filled with the Holy Ghost. She, because she speaks, it's just different. Everyone's different. And so don't try to compare yourself to somebody. That's the worst thing. That's not even scriptural to do that. It's not wise to compare your gifts to somebody else. Just know you're unique. And that's right. And then God wants to just you to, to, to learn how to, to flow in, in that yourself and, and get along. I want um, somebody to count, tell me how they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. When? So it was Catholic? Catholics. Okay. Oh, you were working there? So you didn't know what it even was. So did they lay hands on you and you and you spoke in other tongues?
So you, got, you, you are who you hang around. It got on you. You've kind of been into some weird stuff through your life. Yeah. But you were, but you were, even as a young man, you were seeking, weren't you? You were looking for something, and then you found the real thing. That's, that's interesting. And I'll, yeah. <laughs> Living water. Anybody else? Yeah. I talk about because your brother was. Amy. Weirded out. You know. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, he's not that much older, is he? Yeah. Under conviction. See, that's a that's the way it should be, and as we get people in now from the world, they're not going to have a clue about who the Holy Spirit is. And so you get them while they're green, while they don't know. They don't have all these preconceived ideas and strongholds in their mind they easily receive. And so who's going to do all that? You are. Not me. You are. You can do that. Amen. When were you filled with the Holy Ghost? Because you grew up in a churchy family. Three. See, how were our boys? Do you remember? Do you remember, Caleb? <laughs> yeah. See, that's the best way to get them is when they're young. Because you don't have those 
preconceived ideas and these these strongholds and your emotions and all that, you just you just obey, you just receive. That's how easy it needs to be. Any anybody else? You knew your folks. You see how important the children's getting those kids. You get the the kids of these people that are going to be coming in, and they're just going to boom, just like that, and then they're going to go home and lay hands on mom and dad. Yeah. Well, you had your hand up. <laughs> you, Julie, do you remember? I'm picking on you. You were special speaker. Tell them, tell them about that. Tell them how it happened. It changed your life. Changed your life. See? And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not the preacher. Yeah, the pastor can lay hands on people. And, but you've, you've got to start thinking about how God's going to use you to reach people and minister those rivers of living water. Amen? Amen. Anybody else? <laughs> Suddenly and repeatedly. He sounds like a good man. You know. We're all works in progress.
Hey. Did she find the church for you? <laughs> Good old mama. Oh, you found the church. Yeah. And that's how you found it. Well, God is good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so easy. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see some phenomenal miracles with the little ones the young ones in the days ahead and the older ones need to be open to it amen some of these old dogs need to learn some new tricks amen amen well let's stand up the one thing that i'll, I'll close with this i want the holy spirit to flow here and i'm as guilty as anybody else, we, we can, we can um, stop the move of the Spirit of God. We can offend the Spirit. I don't want to do that. And in the days ahead, I've been thinking about this. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And one of the questions in, in that book by John Bevere is, you know, well, we don't, we don't, and this applies to a lot of churches that have two, like Caleb went to a church in Kearney that had two services, and you only got so much time. And so how do you allow the Holy Spirit to move? Well, he said if you pray or if you have a sermon of 30 minutes, then cut it to 25. And I thought, yeah. No, we have to allow. And to, to me, I'll be honest, there are times, and pastors are just as guilty, we're, we're almost afraid because we don't want any wildfire. We don't, we've all seen it. Listen, we, I can tell you stories. I told you the one about where the Native American woman got up and started going, <laughs> She wasn't even speaking in tongues. She was just doing her Native tribal thing. And I'm a young minister standing there going, That was at the old church. And I, I just says, Oh, let's let everybody raise our hands and worship God. And so pastors can be, af you're just almost afraid to allow because people get squirrely. They do. But I'm telling you something, in the days ahead, we're going to have to just throw caution to the wind. And if people get squirrely, then the leadership needs to unsquirrel them. And just politely say, this is what happened when we were watching the conference. 
this is a good example. When, when Kent Christmas had his conference, all the, the prophets were on the stage, and the last one to go was Mario Morello. And he stood up, and then all of a sudden, in the balcony, somebody go, no, 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 no. And, and Mario Morello just went like this. You know, and, and it, it grieved. You could tell it just it tell, it ticked him off. But how'd they handle that? Do you remember? They must have got him quieted. So I'm telling you, folks, we're going to have some things happen in the days ahead. But just hold on. Don't get nervous. You know, Barney up, up here, Barney 5 might get a little bit nervous. But just, just pray for your pastor. Pray for your leadership. You're going to have people get up and give tongues. You know, I've, I've, I've had a people get up and give tongues, and it wasn't the right time to give tongues. But they didn't give the interpretation. So who's responsible to give an interpretation? The leadership. So you better be ready. Amen. God's going to use us all. Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you for the people. Lord, that are hungry for you in this place. We want to be more hungry. Lord, let there be a, a, a deep spiritual hunger to know you, Holy Spirit, and to flow with you in the days ahead. Father, I thank you. Lord, we've heard how you've used people tonight. Lord, I'm thanking you. By faith, you're going to use us in the days ahead to reach people to get them saved, get them filled, and get them healed. By the power of God. And so, Father, we thank you and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for teaching us in the days ahead. Opening our eyes to see and our ears to hear as we give you the, the, the time and the opportunity. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to flow with you effectively so people's lives can be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening to me. Is there anything else? God bless you. Yes.